Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning, City Walk Church. How are we doing this morning? Oh, that was weak. I know you had to walk. If you had, if you had, if you had to take your kids to City Kids, I know you're a little tired because you had to walk about four and a half miles. So, but let me try that again. How are we doing this morning? All right, a little bit better, a little bit better. Well, thank you. I said this a little bit earlier, but thank you for your flexibility today. Uh, as you obviously can see, we, we are in a different area. Uh, this, this weekend is a weekend that the school does their, it's not Christmas production, but it's a play, uh, and they use that other building all weekend, and so that's why we're in here, and so thank you for being flexible. This is an important month for, if you've been uh, kind of tracking along with us this past month, uh, this has been an important month for our gathering. We're about 10 months old, and uh, about four or five weeks ago, we uh, were walking through a series called More Than a Hashtag. And uh, in that series, we talked about how we wanted to be known as individuals and also as a gathering that didn't just post about problems or talk about problems or complain about problems, but we wanted to be a gathering that got involved in serving and really being a part of, of helping where there are issues. And so we laid out four goals. The first goal we had was we wanted to do 50 Operation Christmas Child boxes. Many of you got involved in that. We were able to do 76 of those, and they're on their way around the world uh, and will be given to children around the world. Uh, The second goal uh, that we had is we, we said, hey, we want to, between now and Christmas, we want to invite 50 neighbors into our homes that we have never invited into our homes before where we would just get to know them. And we would just build relationships with our neighbors. And it's been neat. Even this week, I got some great stories of some of you that have begun to invite some people into your homes that, man, you had never had in your homes before. And God's beginning to use that to just start conversations. Then our third goal was a goal that we had. Our our goal was to raise $5,000 above and beyond our giving towards Christmas generosity and we said that, that we wanted to raise those funds and we wanted to give 100% of those funds away. And so our goal was that by today, we would have $5,000 raised above and beyond our giving, that we would give half of that to our community and half of it would go towards church planning in this next year. And so today's our final day uh, where we're giving towards that. And so if, if you haven't given and this is the day that you want to do that, when we take offering, you, you can be a part of that. But then our fourth goal, and this was our last goal that we laid out, was we wanted to, on our Christmas Eve services, we wanted to have 500 people in attendance at one of our two Christmas Eve services. Because we really feel that when people hear about Jesus, it can change everything for them. 
And yesterday we had the opportunity, many of us, to go out and hang door hangers on people's uh, doors. And we have today, when you stop by Next Steps, you can pick up your, your yard sign, pick up some invitations, and literally take 30 seconds of courage to say, hey, would you join me on Christmas Eve for the 3.30 or 5.30 service. And, and, and I believe God's going to do something really special as people encounter the risen Savior over this Christmas season. And so I wanted to, and I'm going to continue to update you as we go through this season on these goals. But it's been a special month. And I'm excited about what God's going to do when we come back in January and we're able to say, hey, yes, I took 30 seconds of courage and I invited this person. Let me tell you the story now. And we believe God's going to do something uh, in those things. And so let me pray for us. And uh, then we're going to dive into the, the first part of our Christmas series. Lord, I thank you for this time together. Lord, if we're, we're here and maybe we're here and we're not a follower of you, maybe we're investigating faith. Or maybe we're here, God, and, and we're going through a, a dry season in our walk with you. Maybe we're here and, man, this is as good as it's ever been in our life and our walk with you, God. No matter where we are, I pray that over the next few minutes that we would lean in. That we would lean in not to what I'm saying, but really to what you're saying. And, God, I pray that you would use your word to encourage our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you guys know this. One part of the, the Christmas season that we enjoy being a part of uh, is we enjoy being a part of gifts. And, and so you know this, especially when, you, when you're a younger kid, when you're a little kid, the part of the gift process that you really like to be involved in when you're a little kid and that you really get excited about, even if you tell your parents it's all about Jesus, you're still really excited that there's a few gifts under the tree for you. And that's when you're a little kid, that's natural, man. It's hard, man, when there's like 20 days before Christmas and you see presents under the tree with your name on it, like it gets exciting for you. But as you get older, and you know this, many of you, that as you get older, it kind of turns a little bit. And yeah, you're still excited about maybe getting a new whatever, but what you really get excited about is you really get excited about giving. Man, and, and for you, yeah, getting a few things is great, but man, what, what you get excited about, what you think about, what you can't wait for is, man, I can't wait to give this gift to you know, somebody that you love dearly, somebody that you uh, want, just want to, want to show that you love. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to think back to when you were that little kid, and, and when you were that little kid and you saw a handful of presents under the tree with your name on it. Remember what that felt like? And you had to wait till Christmas Day, or if your parents like were really cool, they let you open up maybe one or two on Christmas Eve. My parents were like dead set against that. But, but you had to sit, and you, you, you kind of got excited, and man, you hoped, and hope was a big part of it. Man, you saw that little present, and you, you might have went over and gave it a little shake once in a while when your mom wasn't looking, and you hoped that the, that the thing that you really wanted was sitting inside that box. And if you were like me as a little kid, once in a while, you'd go a little farther than shaking it, and you might unwrap it a little bit and kind of try to get a little sneak peek, and, and your mom probably was smarter than you, so she put it in a box that wasn't what was really in it. But, but you had some hope when you were a little kid and you saw one of these presents sitting under the tree because hope is a real big part of Christmas. 
Hope is a big part of Christmas from when you're a little kid to when you're, you're you know, an, an adult. Hope brings a lot of emotion during the season of Christmas. But here's what's interesting. When you think of the word hope, there's a definition that we have for hope as kind of humans that's different than the definition that when you look in the scriptures and you hear the word hope, the definition's different. So when you're a little kid and, and you see that, that little present under the tree and you're hoping that something's in there that you really like, what, what you were kind of thinking about as a human is there's this nervous anticipation. Like you're not sure, but you really hope that inside that box is your ticket to Disneyland. And you, you don't know if you're, when you open it if it's going to be there, but there's this nervous anticipation that inside that box is going to be that ticket to Disneyland. And from a human perspective, when we think about hope, that's what, we, that's what hope is. It's this nervous anticipation. We're not sure, but we hope. But when you look at hope from God's perspective, it's different. When you look at hope from God's perspective, it, it moves from nervous anticipation to confident expectation. So it's no longer like, oh, I kind of hope there's a Disney ticket in there and I'm kind of nervous about it. It's, hey, I know there's a Disney ticket in there. And so I'm actually going to go ahead and book my flight to Southern California because I'm excited that when I open that, I'm going to see a Disney ticket in there. And that's what hope is in the scriptures. It's this confident expectation that I know something to be true, and because I know it's true, with that comes expectations and joy and emotion. But it's not nervous anticipation. It's, I know this is true, therefore I have confidence, and I'm excited about it. And whether you're a follower of Jesus, or maybe you're still investigating, Christmas can be a time where there's tremendous hope. There's tremendous hope. No matter where you find yourself in your walk with Jesus or where you find yourself on the journey of faith, Christmas time can have tremendous hope, not because we have this nervous anticipation, but because we are confident and believe that in history a baby was born in Bethlehem that brought tremendous hope to the entire world. And we believe it because it's historical. It was written down. It's not a, hey, I hope this is true. I'm a little nervous about it. I, man, it'd be really good if this thing really played out the way it says. No, we're confident that this really happened, which is why whether you're a follower of Jesus or whether you're still investigating, you can have hope during Christmas. One of the guys that, that wrote this down is there's a guy in the Bible by the name of Matthew. And if, whether you grew up in church or not, you probably know that, hey, there's two parts of the Bible. There's the Old Testament, and then there's this part called the New Testament. Well, the very first writer in the New Testament was a guy by the name of Matthew. And Matthew was a guy that wasn't liked by most of the Jewish people in his neighborhood. Like, if he lived in your neighborhood, he was the house you egged and toilet papered. And it wasn't out of fun. Like, you were mad at him. Because Matthew had the profession that was like the lowest of the low, most hated profession, and he was a tax collector. 
He was a tax collector. And so basically what Matthew did was he worked for the enemy and he took your money to give to the enemy. He was one of you, but he worked for the enemy and took your money to give to the enemy. So nobody liked Matthew. But Jesus met Matthew and and his life was transformed and Matthew became a follower of Jesus. And, And Matthew, he wrote down, probably for his own church and for his own community, he wrote down a historical account of Jesus and his life. And in Matthew chapter 1, here's what Matthew says, and it'll be up on the screen or it's in your app, as he talks about the birth of Jesus. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, it says this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Let me read that again. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Basically, what Matthew's saying is, hey, here's how this whole thing went down. If you know anything about the writers of Scripture, you have a guy named Matthew who basically was, he was like, let me just get to the point and tell you how this went down. And then you had another guy named Luke who was a doctor, and he said, hey, let me tell you all the backstory." But for Matthew, he just said, hey, let me tell you how this thing went down. He said, there was this lady named Mary. And Mary was betrothed to this guy named Joseph. So the word betrothed, in our society, we're like, what does that mean? It wasn't engagement, and it wasn't marriage. It was kind of somewhere in the middle. It was a legal agreement that parents made between two families that said, hey, our two are going to end up together. And, And when you were betrothed, in order to separate, you had to be divorced. There was like a legal process that once you were betrothed, you had to go through a legal process of, of divorce in order to really you know, be separated. And, and so it was kind of a big deal. And so Mary and Joseph, they're betrothed. And, and here's what the writer of Matthew, here's what he says. They're they're betrothed, and before they came together, she was with child by the Holy Spirit. And basically what Matthew was saying, he was saying in in the G-rated version, they hadn't had sex yet, but she she was pregnant. He said, hey, they haven't come together, but she was with child by the Holy Spirit. So imagine being Joseph and Mary coming to you and saying, hey... I just got to tell you something, and you need to sit down. You're probably not going to believe this, but I'm pregnant. And before you get upset, it's actually the Holy Spirit's baby. Just imagine being Joseph. I mean, like, Mary, come on. I mean, we know each other. Really? Come on. Playing the God card here? And so Joseph, when, when he found out that Mary was pregnant, he, 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 he tried to think through, man, how are we going to like do this? Because her being pregnant was what could get real ugly in this day. Because when you're betrothed, you're not supposed to have any physical relationship. And if you do, it's considered immoral. And so, and if you're immoral back in this day, they kill you. And so Joseph, man, he's in a position here where this thing could get ugly. And so watch what what Joseph does. It says this in verse 19. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. 
But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so Joseph, he's, man, my, my, my girl's pregnant, and she says it's the Holy Spirit's. I'm not trying to get her killed, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to just kind of quietly divorce her, keep it really under the radar, and just pretend this never happened. And so as he's in the process of doing that, he, he hears from God, and God says to him, hey, no, what she's telling you is true. Like, Mary has a baby inside her that is from the Holy Spirit, and this baby, his name's going to be Jesus, and he's the one that you've been waiting for that's going to save people from their sins. The name Jesus wasn't, we hear the name Jesus, and it's like, Jesus, like, uh, you know, if you're named Jesus, that's a big deal. Back in this time, Jesus wasn't an uncommon name. So it wasn't like, oh, Jesus, okay, then, okay, this kid's going to be special. No, Jesus was a common name that other people had. But, but the, the, what's interesting is the name Jesus, it's derived from a Hebrew name, Yeshua, and it basically means to deliver or rescue. And so this angel comes to Joseph in the midst of Joseph's kind of, man, I don't know what to do, and says, Joseph, this thing's for real, and this baby is going to be the rescuer. He's going to be the baby that does save his people from their sins. And so Matthew, he, he goes on as he's writing about this, and he says this, and this, this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And so what Matthew says is, hey, what I'm telling you isn't new news. What I'm telling you is just a fulfillment of what we've been hearing about for hundreds of years. In fact, not just what we've been hearing about, but what was written down hundreds of years ago by prophets. We're actually seeing this fulfilled. And then he shares a passage from Isaiah that was written hundreds of years earlier. And, and here's what he says. He says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So Joseph does exactly what he was told to do. Mary has this baby, and this baby is talked about with two names. So, so the, the first name that probably most people know this baby as is the name Jesus. It's the name that Joseph was told, hey, you need to call this Jesus, and, and this baby Jesus is going to be the one that, that saves his people from their sins. And, and the, the name Jesus was really pointing to what he's going to do. He's going to save people. But, but also, you need to remember that, Joseph, there's another name for this baby, and this other name is, is just as important, and it's the name Emmanuel. And, and Emmanuel doesn't talk about what he's going to do, but it really describes who he is. That this baby is special because he is God with us. 
And, and man, that's a big deal. And, and, and in fact, in order to really understand, because you hear the word, okay, Jesus means he's going to save people. And okay, Emmanuel, yeah, we've sang some songs about that, that name. And it's okay, God with us. But, but to understand the impact of these names and what they meant and what they meant to these people, you really have to look back a little bit. To, to really get the bigger story, you have to look back and go maybe even back to the beginning of the Bible to find out the power behind these names, Jesus and Emmanuel. You, you've experienced this in your own life probably where you've maybe met somebody and, and maybe you were introduced to somebody, hey, you need to meet so-and-so. And you, you met that person, you had a great conversation with them. And, and yeah, it was a pleasant conversation. And then after the conversation, maybe a few minutes later when you're done having it, somebody comes to you and says, did you know who you were talking to? Let, let me tell you a little bit more about who you were talking to. And man, let me tell you the backstory in their life. And, and once you find out, okay, now I know who I was talking to and I know a little bit more about the story, the interaction with that person, man, it goes to a whole nother level. And that's what's happening here. M Matthew says, hey, there's going to be this baby, and, and we're going to call him Jesus, and that means he's going to save people, but then his name's also going to be Emmanuel, and that means God with us. But in order to understand that, you have to go back to the very beginning when man was created, Adam and Eve. And in Genesis, the Bible says this, Genesis chapter 1, it says this, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So you have Adam and Eve, the very beginning of time, and God says, hey, I'm going to create man in our image. I'm going to create man in our image, and, and, and man's going to be kind of like the, the most special part of all creation is going to be man. And, and so Adam and Eve had, had this special relationship with God. Imagine like, you don't have a perfect relationship with anybody, neither do I. Like, your favorite person in the world, you don't have a perfect relationship with them. And that's not news to you. You're like, yeah, I definitely don't. I just had a fight with them two days ago, even though they're my best friend. You don't have a perfect relationship with anybody, neither do I. But Adam and Eve had a perfect relationship with God. Imagine that. Imagine having a perfect, no, no impure motives, no selfishness, no hiding, fully known and fully loved. Man, perfect. Like when you're going out to, to shoot hoop, like you and, hey, you want to come play? Like close. Like you, you hung out together. Perfect relationship. And that's how life was for them. But then Adam and Eve did something. And here's what they did. They chose to not believe God. God said, hey, man, we're, we're best friends. We have the special relationship. And, and Adam and Eve decided, you know what? I'm going to listen to the enemy. I'm going to listen to Satan. And I'm going to listen to the lie that God doesn't know what he's saying. And there's a better way. And they did that. Does that sound familiar? Have you ever done that? I have pretty much daily. I do that. And, and that's what happened. So Adam and Eve, perfect relationship. Decide, you know what? God's must not be, he's holding out on us, there must be something better, and so I'm going to go my way, I'm going to do my thing, and they found out very quickly that that decision was devastating, not to them, not to, just to them personally, but to the whole human race. 
And so now the perfect relationship that they had with God, where they fully known, fully loved, spent time, nothing in between them was broken. This walking and talking with God because of their sin was broken. And and now there was hopelessness. And they couldn't go backwards. They couldn't be like, oh God, I was just kidding. Let's rewind the tape a little bit and we won't do that. No, they, they couldn't do that. It was broken and they could do nothing about it. Have you ever been in a spot like that? Where you... It was on you, the mistake, like you can't blame anybody else, and there's consequences that you wish weren't there, but you can't go backwards, you can't fix it, it just is what it is, that's where they were. But then God, and he didn't have to do this, he didn't leave them hopeless very long. Literally, just within a few verses in the scripture, so not long after they have made this terrible decision that destroyed their relationship with God, that put sin in between their relationship with God. Here's what God says as he's talking to Adam and Eve and to the enemy Satan after this has happened. He says this in Genesis chapter 3. He says, hey, listen listen up. I'm going to put enmity or hostility between you, Satan, and the woman. There's going to be hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So here's what God's saying. He's saying, hey, this thing's hopeless, but here, listen up, Satan. Listen up, Adam and Eve. See, Satan, Eve, you're gonna, there's going to be offspring. Somebody's coming. That's going to be a descendant of you. Somebody's coming that is going to destroy Satan. There's going to be hostility. And and he says it this way. He says, hey, Satan, you're going to kind of nick his heel a little bit, and he's going to crush your head. That's what's about to happen. And early on, God, he could have left it as no relationship. And you know what? I'm done with the human race. But he said, you know what? Though it was your sin that destroyed our relationship, someone's coming. That's going to destroy the power of Satan. Yeah, you're going to nick his heel a little bit, but he is going to crush you. And basically, in that moment, God was declaring war on sin and Satan, and he was giving ultimate hope to the human race. And then what happened was, all throughout history, arrows continued to point to this prophecy that someone is coming. You move on in Genesis to a guy by the name of Abraham who is the father of the Jewish nation. And in Genesis 22, God says this to Abraham. He says, in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Hey, hey, Abraham, there's somebody coming that's going to come through your line, through your family, that literally everyone in the world's going to be blessed by who is coming. And then you continue to point, and if you look through every Old Testament book, you see arrows just pointing to hope is coming, someone is coming. And then Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 7, he's having this conversation with this pagan, ungodly king. And in the middle of his conversation with this ungodly king, he says this, and and this is what Matthew quoted, he says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, 
and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then if you were to turn the pages a little bit more into Isaiah 9, you would actually hear Isaiah talk about the city of Jesus' birth hundreds of years before it ever happened. See, the reason that we can have hope in this season is because of what our friend Matthew wrote when he said, the virgin shall conceive and there's going to be someone coming who will literally be God and he will be with us. I don't know about you, but that's it, kind of like a bigger thought than you can capture in your brain. Like you, you think about the most important, impressive person that you've ever been around. Like the person you were in awe of. And oh, them being close to you. And real quickly, when you start to compare that person to God, at least I hope this happens to you, you realize, eh, that wasn't that big of a deal. But, but imagine this idea of God with you, God with me, the God of the universe, the creator of the world with us in a relationship. And that's where we see throughout the Old Testament, century after century, this promised king, this Messiah that would come and heal this broken relationship that man broke because of their sin. This God, and I wrote this in my notes, God who had once walked with man in a perfect relationship would again walk the earth and sacrifice himself to restore that relationship, which is why Matthew told us about Jesus. So Christmas, it, it brings a lot of hope but, but here's, here's what, why it brings, Christmas doesn't bring us a lot of hope because Jesus was born. You're like, what? No, it's a play on words, but Christmas brings us a lot of hope because Emmanuel was born. Because if Jesus was just a man that lived a really good life and died a memorable death, cancel Christmas. A lot of people did that. But because Jesus was God, changes the game. Because Jesus left heaven to come to earth 100% God and 100% man for one reason, to restore a relationship with us that we had broken. And there's no benefit to him. But he decided to do that. God with us to restore a relationship. And and. What's beautiful is not only was Jesus, Jesus, that who, yes, he's going to save us from our sins, but man, he's going to do that because he's God. The only way that he could save us from our sins is he had to be God. He had to come. He had to live a sinless life because if he would have sinned while he was here, he couldn't have died for my sin or your sin. He would have had to die for his own. But because he was God with us, it took the power of the cross to a whole nother level. It made the, the beauty of the cross much more beautiful. Because it wasn't just Jesus, Savior, it was Jesus, God, who was dying and giving his life so that I could be a friend of God again, so that you could be a friend of God again. And so here, here's what I want you to think about. 
There, there's this, this statement. I want you to think about this statement by a lady by the name of Ann Spangler, and it says this. It'll be up on the screen. When our sins made it impossible for us to come to him, God took the outrageous step of coming to us, of making himself susceptible to sorrow, familiar with temptation, and vulnerable to sin's disruptive power in order to cancel its claim. That's, a, I mean, that's such a big idea. That the God of the universe, we could not go to him. We could not fix ourselves. If it was up to us, it's hopeless. But because he loved us so much, he came to us. He took on sorrow. He took on temptation. He took on all the things we struggle with. So he could heal the relationship that we have with him. And it's only because of his love and his grace that he would ever do that. And it's what makes Christmas so special, and it's why whether you're a follower of Jesus or whether you're investigating faith, there can be tremendous hope at Christmas time because God loved you enough to come to earth to be with you. God loved me enough to come to earth to heal a relationship that I didn't deserve to have healed. But he loved us enough to come and be God with us. So, so here's, here's what I want you to think about. I want to give you a couple questions as we kind of start to close. And we're going to talk about this over the next three weeks. And this will culminate in our Christmas Eve services. But no matter where you are as it relates to faith, I want you to ask yourself this kind of rhetorical question. Do you have hope this Christmas? Do you have hope? And maybe the, the next follow-up question would, would simply be, what do you hope for? Do you hope for happiness? Do you hope for the relationship to heal? Do you hope for the addiction to finally break? Do you hope for, you feel, what, what do you hope for? And probably the, the bigger and more important question is, and this is something that maybe you haven't thought about, but what is the object of your hope? Like, like what is your hope placed in? Because I'm going to guess every single one of us, even on our worst day, we have hope. We have hope. We hope in something. But you and I both know this, that really, in order to be confident, it's really important to know what our hope is placed in. I wrote this in my notes. The object of your hope will determine your level of confidence. And so, do you have hope? What do you hope for? And, and what is your hope placed in? What's the object of your hope? Because if, if your hope is placed in another person... Eh, maybe you're not going to be so confident. If your hope is placed in, and you fill in the blank, anything other than Jesus, then it could go good or it could go bad. Because it's the object of our hope that really determines whether we have confidence. I, I wrote this in my note, and I, I notes, and I know this is a pretty bold statement, but I really believe this. The hope of the world is Jesus. Everything else is a counterfeit. 
Have you tried the counterfeits? I have. Have you tried? We tried the counterfeits? Like, could we take an hour? Could we take a day, probably, and just go around the room and talk about all the counterfeits that we've tried? All the things we've placed our hope in and, and have left us wanting or left us more broken than when we started? Like, Aren't we in a place that, man, we can just be honest and say, you know what? Yeah, I've went down that road, tried that. Yep, we, we did that thing, and oh, that was the new thing, and yeah, we went in that direction, and, and all of them left me hungry. All of them left me wanting. Because Jesus is the hope of the world. Everything else is a counterfeit. And so as we, we move into this Christmas season, I, I want you to think whether you're somebody that's walking with God now or whether you're somebody that is, is far from God, what would life look like in this season if your hope was in Jesus? Like I'm not even asking you to make that decision now, I'm just asking you to imagine whether you're walking with God now or whether you're far from God now, what would this season look like if you said, hey, all of my hope is in Jesus. Like all my eggs are in that basket. I'm not holding out. There's no plan B's. All my hope's in Jesus. How would life be different? The, the deepest waters that you walk through, you would still have to walk through them, but I think they would look different if you were confident that God was with you. The relational issues that you've struggled with and you've been hoping would be fixed and healed and you've tried this and tried that and it's still coming up a mess, would it look different if your hope was in God with us? What about the addiction that you have been trying to break for years, maybe decades, and you've tried everything? Well, what if this season you leaned into Jesus as your only hope and, and you understood that God was with you? What would that addiction look like? How could it be different when God is with us? And so I want you to think about, man, just in your own mind, what would it look like if this season my hope was in Jesus? If you're not a follower of Jesus, and, and, and maybe you're here and you're, you have questions about faith, I'm so thankful that you're here, and this is a, a welcoming place for people with questions. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, really, the first step, if, if you were going to take a step, the first step would be to start a relationship with God. See, God loved you so much, just like we've talked about, that, that when the relationship was broken, that he had a plan from the very beginning to heal that relationship. He sent his son Jesus to die and raise from the dead, not for his own sin, not because he didn't have anything to do, but because he wanted a relationship with us. And so if you're not a follower of Jesus, man, what, what a beautiful season this could be for you if you said yes. Yes, I'm going to step over the line of faith. I'm going to stop trusting in myself for, for my righteousness and my future. And I'm going to step over the line of faith and put my faith in Jesus, the Savior of the world, God with us. And you can do that. If you're a person who says, yeah, man, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus. Whether you've been following him for a long time or whether you're new to faith. Let me ask you this, would you be willing to come clean 
and admit where you've placed your hope in the past? Sometimes before we can move forward, we have to admit where we've been and say, you know what, Jesus, my hope has been in, the Bible calls that idolatry, something else besides you. This is where my hope's been. And I I just want to admit, and it's not, not new news to Jesus, he's known that, but hey, here's where my hope has been. And I want to make a decision to no longer put my hope in that, and I want to put my hope in you. And, and if, if that's you, and if you're a follower of Christ, and that's you, would you? And I want to give you, and it's in your, your notes there in your app, but I want to give you a simple prayer that maybe you would be, you know, maybe God would lay it on your heart that you would pray this to God over the next maybe week, maybe today. Simply this, Jesus, my hope is in you. May the reality that you are God and you are with me take root in my heart. Would you be willing, as a a follower of Jesus, would you be willing to pray this? And, And just between you and God this week to just say, hey, Jesus, my hope's in you. May, may the reality that you are God and that you are with me not just be another thing that I miss between the sitting on Santa Claus's lap and the Christmas tree and all that. And all that's fun, but sometimes in the midst of all of it, we can forget that this whole thing was about a baby who came to earth to be God with us to heal a relationship because it was that big of a deal to God. Let's, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. With n- nobody looking around, just this is just time between you and God. I asked you a few questions early, just a few minutes earlier. And I want you to just think about these questions again. Do you have hope this Christmas? Do you have hope? What is your hope in? What's the object? For some of us, if we're honest, it's the object of our hope has been maybe a relationship. The object of our hope has been the approval of man. The object of our hope may be finances. I don't know what it is for you, but, but would you just be willing to admit, what have you placed your hope in? And then... Would you be willing to end this season, if you're a follower of Jesus, would you be willing to really admit to God where you've been placing your hope? And then would you be willing to say, God, my hope's in you. Make that real in my heart. Maybe you're here and, and you would say, Chris, I'm not a follower of Jesus. And I, maybe you've been coming to church a while. Maybe this is your first time. And you would say, hey, Chris, I, I want to place my hope in Jesus. I want that. I've, I've tried other things in my life, and, and I've, I've tried those things, and they've never worked out the way they were supposed to. Just in the quietness of your, this room, would you, just between you and God, would you just talk to God? If you're here this morning and, and you would love to start a relationship with Jesus, then would you just tell God that? Would you just tell him, hey, God, I, I admit that I've, I've tried a bunch of other things, and they haven't worked. 
I've, I've disobeyed you, God. I've done just like Adam and Eve. I've tried to kind of do my own thing. Just admit that to God. Would you do that in your heart? And then just tell God, God, I, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross and raise from the dead for me. And I want a relationship with you. Just tell God. If you're here this morning and, and you, just between you and God, you started a relationship with God, we, we don't want to embarrass you, but man, we want to help you in your new relationship with God. And so the easiest way for that to happen is, is for you to, just on that little card that maybe you filled out earlier, there's a little spot where you can just say, hey, I, I prayed to, to receive Jesus. I started a relationship with God. Why don't you just check that box and Maybe put a little bit of your information, and, and if you would allow us to, we'd love to contact you this week and just help you along your journey of your relationship with Jesus. God, I thank you that we celebrate this season because of a relationship that you did not want to do without. You wanted a relationship with us, and you went to incredibly great lengths to have that relationship. God, I pray for each of us in this room, no matter where we are in our journey of faith, I pray that this season, that we would lean into the fact that you are God and that you are with us. And I pray that that is where our hope will be placed. In Jesus' name, amen.